Praise God. It's really good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? I, I just love to come and worship the Lord and be with God's people and, and to celebrate. Praise God. We're celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ here tonight. The last time I celebrated this was just yesterday. But every time I celebrate it, you know, I just have a good time. Celebrations are special events, special occasions. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you are privileged to celebrate continually the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ until such a time that you receive total redemption. By that I mean having your body changed from mortal to immortal, from corruptible to incorruptible. Praise God. And if the Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in your mortal bodies, it will also quicken you in that great day of the Lord. Praise God. I'd like for you to stand to your feet, if you would. Now, you've been standing somewhat while we were singing. We didn't ask you to do it. You just did it. And then we had you to stand to greet all the guests. But I'd like for you, in a great big celebration, hand clap right now, I'd like for you to remember the resurrection of our Lord and feel your Holy Ghost when you do it. Would you do that? I feel something down deep inside of my heart. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You feel that? Let's say it together. Hallelujah. Let's say it again. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you'd take your Bibles, if you would, while you're standing, and turn with me to Acts, the 18th chapter. And we want to read just a few scriptures here, three scriptures. Is it warm in here? It's getting there. We've had extremely hot weather. It's been real hot in the church. Uh, Brother Sonny has the air conditioner set up on a timer, and he showed me just how to work it, and I thought that it was broken down because I did everything I thought that he told me to do. Come to find out it didn't turn the switch on. So we've just been melting down around here, but he came over last evening and turned it on, and today it was so nice. And then, of course, all of you got in here and crowded the place, kind of spoiled it. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, <clears throat> if you uh, men get hot, you that have your coats on, if you'd like to remove your jacket, that would be fine. I may have to do that myself. Praise God. I'm, I'm really excited about serving the Lord. I'm excited about the Holy Ghost that I have inside of me. And God has so many things planned for us right here on this earth that we can enjoy, and then to know that we do have a real hope of eternity in heaven to be with the Lord. Praise God. You want to be a preacher? You know. <clears throat> Praise God. I don't see anything wrong with that. One uh, young man told me, he said, I'd hate to be a preacher. I said, why? He said, well, number one, you have to stand up all the time. <laughs> 
Praise God. And, and Acts, the 18th chapter, verse 24, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Now, now keep in mind that this man was on a real pilgrimage to God. He had not arrived where the Lord wanted him, but he was on his way there. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Praise God. And you may be seated. I have a Bible study that I have prepared for you tonight, but I want you to know that uh, right offhand that the Bible study that I prepared is not original with me. I've been doing some reading and studying on evangelism for uh, about a year, continually for about a year. There is a book that I've been reading and studying. Let me see this, Brother Brian. And I'd like, I'd like to recommend this. I don't know that I've ever stood behind the pulpit and just said, go out and buy a book. But if you get a chance to buy this book, Lifestyle Evangelism by Joseph Aldrich, it is a fantastic book. It goes hand in hand with uh, the philosophy that Brother Merrick was teaching us up at camp. And uh, basically what it's doing, it's teaching you what a true witness is all about. That witnessing is uh, it's partly verbal, but not altogether. It's a conversation or a lifestyle or behavior that you live. I think it's an outstanding book. I have uh, gone through this while there are some things in there that, that uh, naturally, uh, this being true of any book, I would not recommend. I think for the most part it is a very, very well-written and well-presented approach to the gospel. Uh, this book was given to me by Brother Craig Mormon. Remember when Brother Mormon was here, he preached a little on evangelism. He was reading this book, and I talked with him about evangelism. He went to Zondervan Bookstore and bought it for me. It's a, It's been a real real source of, of uh, I should say, encouragement to me, a real source of encouragement. Now, what I'm going to talk about tonight is evangelism. And I realize that this is not something that you would normally speak to uh, visitors on, at least the subject, and we have a good number of guests here tonight. I do trust and pray, however, that we'll say something that will be of value to you and encouragement to you. Uh, I have not been in the pulpit much here for the last while. I preached this last weekend, and I just uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. It was just, I just enjoyed it. You may not have, but I did. But I got to thinking today of some of the things that I wanted to say, and it, it just occurred to me that I couldn't remember where I had said what. 
because I've preached a good number of places outside of this pulpit. By the way, I do consider this my pulpit here. And uh, my, my real burden is here. Several people have asked me recently about my burden for the church. Now, the reason why they ask me this, not that they had doubt, but uh, somehow there's kind of a little rumor got around, well, uh, Brother Grant is preaching out a lot. Perhaps he has his eyes on some of the work. Well, just to clear up my thinking, uh, and I'll let you in on my thinking, I do not have my eyes on anything but what I'm presently doing here. It's just that through the summer months, especially July, the month of July, with all of our camps, it is a very, very busy time, and you understand that, I know. A lot of you have been to our camps. Uh, I have uh, been listening for years to uh, people who are concerned about a real good approach to evangelism. And we have taught to you some very similar things to what I will bring out tonight in this Bible study. Basically, and I don't mind telling you what I did, I changed a particular part of a study that uh, Mr. Aldrich has, and I just put it on our copier, enlarged it, and changed some of the... uh, change some of the reading. So on page 226, you will find the transparency that I show you tonight uh, with some changes. And the reason why I say some changes is because some of the vernacular that's used here uh, would not be as easily understood by you. See, every denomination or every religious movement has its own vocabulary. You notice that? If you talk to people of the Baptist faith, they have certain ways in which they say certain things. If you talk to the Methodists, they have certain ways in which they say certain things. If you talk to a Pentecostal, he has certain ways in which he says certain things. For an example, we use the term, did you get the Holy Ghost? Well, I just don't really know what some people think when they you know like did you get it like catching the measles you know (laughs) know, did you get the Holy Ghost but we understand what we're saying now I want to point out something I believe with all my heart that I'm involved in Bible truth and if I didn't believe it I'd be preaching some other place. I believe, according to the Word of God, that there's one way to be saved. I really believe that. I believe the apostles recognized that. I believe that's the reason why they called aside. Or these, uh, Aquila and Priscilla were not apostles, but they were uh, Christians of the New Testament church. And they had worked with, with Paul. And, of course, Paul was a person that believed in one way to be saved. And they saw that this man, even though he had a walk with God, that he was not where he should be. 
While I do believe that I'm involved in Bible truth, I believe that there are a whole lot of people in the world that simply because that nobody's ever instructed them in the real true way, and because of a limited knowledge that they have, that uh, it is their intent to please the Lord, but they just don't know how. They just plain don't know how. And if they could be approached in the proper way, many of them would listen. Now, they won't all listen. You can't save everybody. You know that. And if telling someone the gospel truth would convert them automatically, the world could be one for the Lord in a matter of days or weeks or months. But down through the centuries... Simply explain the gospel to a person. Uh, well, many will accept it, but there'll be a whole lot of people who will not accept it. Now, one of the hardest things in the world to do is to reach a place where you know that you have been born again. I don't know if you can you read that if you're way on the back back there, brother Mike Sandin. Can you read that? You can read that, all right. Uh, this Bible study is, is entitled Continuous Cultivation of a Growing, Deepening Relationship. And one of the hardest things in the world is to reach what you would call the ultimate in something and still be humble about it. Uh, if you consider a Cadillac to be the Cadillac of all cars... Hard to drive, want to be humble. Uh, if you consider a 450 uh, SLD Mercedes to be the ultimate in all cars, it's hard to drive, want to be humble about it. One of the hardest things for people to do is to know that they're involved in the best, and yet at the same time, just be humble about it. That's a hard thing to do. And so when people find real Bible truth, while they ride the crest of victory, it's hard for them to show any empathy or concern for people who are in an inferior position without the person who is in the subordinate position to feel that 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 you're a Mr. Know-it-all, you know. It's hard for a preacher to get really get anointed and preach. Uh, and at the same time, uh, to have everybody to, to look at him and say, my, he's sure a humble man. Isn't that true? Now, you know that's true. Now, I think that, that God has placed the gospel in earthen vessels. And nobody, naturally, nobody knows what works better than what God knows. The hardest thing in the world, however, to, to, to be is to be uh, the Bible Christian that you ought to be, especially in view of the fact that we live in earthen vessels. Uh, fleshly robes that are susceptible 
to temptations and such that the devil uh, brings our way. It's just uh, it's just real easy to uh, be involved in the gospel of the cross and at the same time become an enemy to that cross. Paul speaks of that in the book of Philippians. People become an enemy of the cross when they do one of three things or perhaps all the three. When they mind earthly things, that means they get their mind on the blessings of God more than the God of the blessing. When they glory in their shame, or that is they brag about doing things that are wrong, and then when they make their belly their God, in other words, their sole desire is to please themselves and to have inner satisfaction through worldly lust and such. So you can become an enemy to the thing that saved you. You really can. Now, I just want to point out some things. Now, some of these things are found in the book that I, I, I called your attention to, and some of them are not. Many, many, many of you have been uh, great warriors for the Lord for many years. And uh, many of you have been outstanding witnesses and soul winners for many years. However... Uh, quite often people come to me and say, you know, I started witnessing this man, and you talking about really turning him off, I did. Now, there's sincere people. The reason why they're seeking advice because they don't want it to happen again. They just don't want it to happen again. Now, you, you cannot win favor with all the people. The Bible even says that we should, we should beware when all men speak good of us. However, in the second chapter of the book of Acts, the Bible says that the apostles went everywhere praising the Lord, having favor with the people. It's also said of a bishop, moreover, he must have a good report of them that are without. Now, that's talking about the people who are not in the church. See? Lest he fall into the snare and the condemnation of the devil. So, you can see throughout the scripture where the Lord commands us to have favor with people who have not reached the, the point of real Bible salvation. And while it is true that for the most part, a person who says he is a Christian has little or no knowledge of real Christianity, uh, a lot of the people who say that are quite sincere. They are where they are simply because they don't have an alternative. This is the reason why that the gospel has been commissioned into people's hands to give people an alternative. Now you see, Apollos was where he was because nobody had taken the time or perhaps nobody had the opportunity to talk to this man. He knew only the baptism of John. But he was in a particular pilgrimage. He was in his walk with God. He was progressing. He was doing what he knew to do. He just couldn't do everything he should do because he didn't know. And two wise saints, a couple, 
went to him and talked to him. Now the Bible does not bear witness of the entire approach that they used. But they were very successful. Now I personally believe that these people approached Apollos wisely. Now you may say why? Because you will find that the closer a man gets to the full truth, and the more anointing that God has upon him, the more delicate or delicately you have to deal with that individual. You can approach a man that has no walk with God, and you can almost hit him with the gospel to knock him down. And in many cases you don't offend him. But you let a man have a relationship with God, and then you try that approach, and you're going to turn him off for sure. You know that. You know that. <clears throat> so what we want to do is talk about the cultivation and the deepening of uh, your fellow man's relationship with God. Now, I have uh, observed that uh, what happens to us sometimes as Christians, we develop a particular attitude about ourselves. We identify with the Bible. Now, all of us try to identify ourselves with the Bible. But uh, you'll have one person in your church that, that some for some reason, maybe uh, his, his particular attitude uh, toward the gospel would be different from a brother's. And, and so his attitude would be an attitude of humility and meekness. And, and he always looks at himself as, as being a sheep of the fold. And so when he, he looks at himself as being a sheep, uh, everything he does, he looks for ways to be more humble and meeker than what he's been in the past. Maybe a fellow brother who has a great experience with the Lord... Maybe he reads Ephesians 6, where it says, put on the whole armor of God. And that sounds so appealing to him. He's got the whole armor of God on all the time. In other words, he looks at himself as being a warrior. Now, for some reason, people who witness a lot or talk to people about the Lord, for the most part, consider themselves to be warriors. Conquerors, more than conquerors. Now, I think that this is one of the reasons why that, that strong accusation comes to people quite often. You know, it is true that we are sheep, but it is true we're warriors. We're also the body of Christ. We are also the bride of Christ. See? And when the Spirit of the Lord begins to move among us, like the Spirit of the Lord moved among us tonight... It's necessary for us to be extremely sensitive to the Lord. You'll find that quite often we will really ride the crest of victory. And you feel it with a lot of hand clapping and a lot of undergirding and, and a lot of explosive faith. I mean, it's just there. It's really there. You'll find, however, that, that quite often the song leader get up here. And he will start singing a song, Great Victory. And it just doesn't seem to be the thing that God wants. 
And so as a result, he changes the pace, finds the mood of the Spirit. And so he's singing a song like, Come into my chamber, sweet Holy Spirit. Speak to me gently as I close the door. And, and Christians need to learn that, that while it is true that they are warriors and conquerors, they are also sheep, they are also the bride of Christ, they are also the body. As the body of Christ, we make a strong stand against sin. Why? Because we constantly discern the Lord's body. Just as an individual would take and clean out his fingernails daily, brush his teeth daily, clean out his ears daily and shower daily because he's concerned about personal hygiene. As we are the body of Christ, we're concerned about cleanliness and keeping the body clean. See? Now, you would not want on your wedding night to go into the bedroom and find your new bride clad with uh, a, a garment of, of steel and a sword pulled and a shield there and uh, and there, there she stands see see you wouldn't want that would you see well see it's also true that the Lord doesn't want to approach us always. When he's ready to lead us into battle, he wants us to be clad. When he's ready to minister to us, he wants us to be delicate and soft. When he's ready to feed us, as you are uh, hearing the word of the Lord now, he wants you to be a, a sheep and to listen and to eat. And, and when you are praying, there are times when he wants you to find rest. And to have a refreshing. So all these things are important. Now, I said all that to inform you, it's not always important that you go to uh, the closet and go to your trophy case and drag out all your war gear when you witness. See? While you may think that witnessing should be done that way, on the, on the other hand, you'll find throughout the Scripture that the apostles did not always do it that way. I'm not going to say there isn't a time to do it that way. I'm saying that for the most part, they approached, they approached their candidate as Jesus Christ approached when he ministered. And you see, that's what Aquila and Priscilla See, they, stood, they saw the, the value of winning this man to the Lord. And so as a result, uh, them knowing that he had to be one to the Lord, they sought out the most productive way to get him uh, saved. Now, knowing that there are a whole lot of people that are walking toward the Lord, and they are in this pilgrimage uh, if you're going to approach somebody, let's say you're talking to your neighbor, your neighbor across the way. You've had a burden for him for a long time. Uh, 
it would be good for you or wise for you not to just go up to him and say, you know, I've never talked to you about the Lord. Are you a Christian? You know he goes out the door to church every Sunday morning. And you know full well that if you ask him that question, him not interpreting Christianity like you because his vernacular is different, his vocabulary is different, you, you know what he's going to say. He's going to say yes. Now, in view of the fact that you wanted to give him some additional information, you have got to prove him wrong. And that is the big problem right there. It's the, the one thing that I have found personally in witnessing to people, talking to people, that you find a ground that you can work from in which there is agreement. It's so very important. So very, very important. See, nobody likes to be put on the spot. And everybody has their comfort zone. Now, you know, as humble as I am, <laughs> there are certain approaches that sometimes people make and they get me out of my comfort zone. Now, when I get out of my comfort zone, and this may really shock a lot of you, I can be a real bear. You wouldn't believe that, would you? Sonny says, no. Sister Grant says, no. <laughs> Thank you, honey. <clears throat> no, I really stretched that. I didn't, I didn't even look to see what she was saying. I was afraid to. <laughs> but all of us, if we're forced out of our comfort zone, we can behave in ways in which we ought not behave even though we are Christian. Now, if you push a man out of his comfort zone who is not Christian per se as you feel that Christianity can be, why would you expect him to defend his rights in any different way than what you defend yours? So when you push him out of his comfort zone and you try to prove that, that he said he was Christian right away, you put him on the defense. And you just simply will not get anywhere with him. Now, you can, you can never get a person out of their comfort zone and get them to, to agree with you. They're going to find ways to disagree with you. So you're off on the wrong foot and you're just not going to get any place with that individual. Now, I have personally talked to a lot of people about the Lord. Now, I can't really say that I'm the sole winner that I, I want to be. But uh, I have talked to a lot of people about the Lord. And while I do not proclaim to be the most successful soul winner here, we've got a lot of people who are great soul winners. I have won a good number of people to the Lord personally. Now, I do not make it a rule of mine to witness to everybody that I see. Now, some people do. Now, the reason why that I don't make it a rule to witness to everybody that I see, I don't think Jesus did that. In fact, there were even times when they begged him to do the miraculous, and he wouldn't do it. He refused to show the supernatural in many cases. It was the Lord that even told us, don't cast your pearls before swine. See, nobody can be saved unless the Spirit draweth them. So you can't save them. 
And, and uh, one thing that in, in talking to people, let's say you're talking to your neighbor, and we, we're just going to use this throughout the Bible study. Uh, you're going to have to detect if he's liking you or likes to be around you. And if you've got a neighbor that doesn't like to be around you, and you know he doesn't, there's no need of going over there right then and say, young man, i got something I want to talk to you about. Because if you do, you better have on your sword or have your sword. You better have your armor on because you're going to have a fight on your hands for sure. See? And uh, I think every now and then, all of us who are genuinely interested in winning souls, and I think we could say that for the majority we are, we should ask ourselves this question. Do we make our neighbors feel comfortable around us? You know, I believe that you can be just as separated from the world as you possibly can and still be a real person. Because Christianity is not an escape from reality. It, that's, it's not it at all. So, seeing that every man is on a pilgrimage, you should ask a question relative to that. Now, usually the question that I ask people, even whenever I meet them here in the church, and I may even ask some of you guests afterwards tonight, because I'm genuinely interested in finding out where you are, I just ask the person if they would like to talk about their religious background or about the church they attend. Now, I've approached many of you who are baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Just, just simply ask them, you know, what uh, church are you a member of? And, and I'd like to talk to you about this. And what, what you do, you do not ask them, are you a Christian? And, and you know what most people will do? They will start telling you the things about their religious faith that they don't like. They'll just start, usually they'll just start telling you that. Now, why, why do they feel relaxed enough then to tell you what they don't like? Because they feel this man or this woman is genuinely interested in me. They're not just interested in themselves, they're interested in me. Too many Christians want to put stars in their crown. They're not really concerned about souls that are lost. And the motive behind what you do is as important as doing it. It's, it's important that you have the right motive when you do things. And so as, as they begin to talk to you, a good thing to do then is just ask them this positive or this, this question. You know, at, at what point are you in, in your relationship with the Lord? You know, while Christianity is growth, now you may say, but Brother Grant, you're talking about people who you do not even recognize, in many cases, being Christian. That may be true, but I also understand how people come to God. It is clearly defined in the Scripture, and we've gone over this in a Bible study in, Acts, uh, in Isaiah 28, verse 11 and 12. How do people come to God? One step at a time. 
Cornelius was a man who was gravitating quickly toward the Lord, but he needed some help. And he wasn't a saved man, according to the 11th chapter, verse 14. But uh, I'll tell you one thing. He would have qualified for church membership in most churches. He was a man that loved the Lord. He prayed to God always. He gave much alms. He fasted for three days. He was even so spiritual, had a vision. But he wasn't saved. Now you can't dis- you just can't disregard all of those things that this man did. You, you know, you couldn't have gone up to Carnegie and said, Oh, Carnegie, but man, you don't have, you got nothing, friend. You, you need the Holy Ghost like I got it. You get it like I got it, friend. You'll be, you'll be talking in tongues and, and you'll be shouting the victory. Well, did they speak with tongues? Yes, they did. They sure did. When Peter got down there, though, what did he do? He just simply started laying out the promises of God. Yes, but this is what the Lord said. This is what the Lord said. This is what the Lord said. And while Peter spake the words, the Holy Ghost fell on. See, he didn't put the man on a defense. He just started asking, I say, asking, just started preaching the promises of God to him. Now, there's nothing wrong with you then just asking the person, you know, what part of what point are you in your walk with God? I think that that's a, that's a very, very legitimate statement to, to make or a question to ask. The second thing is that you look for a way in which you can make a positive statement, such as the one I have here. Sometimes I'd like, at some time, I'd like to take the opportunity to talk to you about my relationship with the Lord. Now, nobody will become offended at that. Now, if you, if you notice what I have shown you here, if you get a negative response or perhaps no response at all, the best thing to do is don't go ahead and push the individual, just go back to where you started and try to deepen your relationship with the individual. By just being friendly and being kind. Because at any time that man stops with you, he, he you know, he's gonna he's gonna turn you out. Jesus Jesus was turned off a lot of times. Jesus said, you know, he that had ears to hear. Uh, why would a man have ears? These are hearing mechanisms. And we all have them, but see, some people have ears to hear, but they don't hear, see. Because people have a way of uh, turning you off. There, there are all kinds of little knobs up in your brain that you can turn. And when you turn them, th- these things don't work. See? Right. <laughs> I dial a lot of people out. I, I do it sometimes and I'm, I don't mean to. I've even had people here at church to look at me and say, Brother Grant, are you in there? <laughs> now they know that I've turned off a knob. And so, he that has the ears to hear, let him hear. But you see, if for some reason you're turning people off, just go back and and continue to cultivate a good relationship and try to deepen your relationship with the individual. However, the power of, of real positive suggestion, the power of suggestion is so great. I'm just really amazed. We have a preacher friend, a good friend of mine, 
He's preaching this pulpit many times. They, they had a little gossip thing going in their church one time. And he just got so tired of it. He didn't know how to approach it. He prayed about it. And he just felt, I know what I'll do. So he went and got some of the strongest cologne that he could possibly get. Some of the high-powered stuff. See? And he emptied it all out of the bottle. And he washed it clean so that you couldn't smell anything at all. Okay. Now he filled it up with water. And he brought it to the church and he preached on the power of suggestion. And so what he did was, while he was preaching, he said, Now, you'd be surprised what you can do when you really concentrate. I mean, you really, you really try. You'd be surprised what you can do. He said, Now, now, I have this bottle here, and you can see what it says on the outside. Now, this thing was filled with, and he named the cologne. It was very powerful when I bought it. Now, he said, obviously, uh, this type of cologne, you should be able to smell at least of the front pew. Now, the people were in the back, you probably couldn't smell it, but if you really tried, you probably could. So he took some of this water out and he put it on his hands and on his face. He said, now, when you first smell this, I want you to uh, raise your hand. And so uh, somebody on the front almost raised their hand. He said, you smell it? Yep, I smell it. Raise your hand. So somebody else... Yep, I smell it. After a while, the first two pews, all of them were smelling it, and it got to working its way back. Would you believe that in that church that was fairly full, everybody smelled it? Everybody. And, of course, this this, uh, this pastor then, he, he was trying to drive home a point about sometimes you really think you hear things and you don't. And sometimes you really believe things are a certain way, and they really aren't. And you see, you can conjure up things in your mind. He went on to tell them, there's nothing in here but water. He passed it around. Nobody could smell it then while they had it right up to them, see. And uh, just to to put in a a good uh, positive statement, uh, a suggestion to people is so very important. You're not pushing yourself on them at all. Now, if for some reason they, they, they don't respond at all, nothing wrong with going over it two or three times by, by just saying, you know, uh, I'd really like to to someday talk to you about my experience with the Lord. And I'd really like that opportunity. Now, a good uh, question to ask if, they are, if they're real positive, and they say, oh, I'd really like for you to do that, uh, just ask them, could I share a few principles with you? Could I do this? And of course they have the option of saying yes or no. But for the most part, if they share it with you, they will allow you to share with them. Now, if they just say no, don't get alarmed, don't get bent out of shape. Don't uh, don't get rattled. And this this happens sometimes when people say no, I'm really not interested. A lot of people say, well, you better get interested. Hell's hot, friend. <laughs> you know, 
Now, haven't you seen people do I mean, you've heard of that, haven't you? Sure. You, you've heard of that. And uh, people people just, uh, they just, they just that way. They, they don't like to be turned down. Well, my, uh, more people are going to turn you down than accept you. You know that. Well, I'm not trying to get your faith in reverse tonight. There are just some real situations in life that we have to cope with. But you see what's happened if he says no. Uh, you still have a good relationship with him. You can go ahead and talk about his dandelions in his garden uh, if you want to or whatever. And you know that next time you walk out the door and you see your neighbor across the way, that you can throw up your hand. He's going to wave back at you. See? And when you start over toward his house to talk with him, he, he's not going to dart around the corner and run in the garage and hide someplace. I think this is important. I think it's very, very important. However, if he says, yes, I, I, I'd like for you to do that, you knowing that it will take some time, the best thing for you to do then is just ask him what would be a good time for you. In other words, try to, try to work it into his schedule at his convenience. Uh, this is a good time for you to, to go someplace and sit down, uh, have some refreshments, have him over to your house or go over to his house or whatever he wants to do. Now, when he comes, then the stage is set. He's come to listen. He wants to listen. He will listen. He's agreed to it. But uh, if he says yes, then just what's a good time? And uh, get out your calendar or whatever. And, and go and sit down and talk with them. Now, I could give to you many, many, many different occasions in which I have personally used this. I remember working with a man who was a preacher of another organization. And so I just, uh, I got to sharing my relationship with, um, I got to sharing with him my relationship with the Lord, just on a casual basis about, you know, going to church and how I love the Lord and everything. He did the same and, and so I talked to him about his church. I found out he had some, some disappointments in his church. Then the following day, if you'd like to share, uh, and what we, we were doing, we were discussing baptism. So that day, that when we had the time set, I sat right down and talked to him. Now, he was not offended. He asked. He was open. And I went through the Bible on baptism. Now, the following day, he brought his lunch. And when I started to eat, he started eating also, and I thought you were going to. I said, I thought you were going to share with me uh, your personal belief about baptism. He told me, he said, you know what, boy, I went home, and he said, I, I had a difficult time. I have, I've never in my life heard this this business about oneness in Jesus' name baptism explained. I said, I've heard of this doctrine all my life, and I've heard from people that I, I should watch out because. These people are heretics, you know, and he went into a lot of things. And But he said, you know, man, I even called a few friends. And, and I posed some of the questions that, that were personally posed to me as you went through the word of the Lord. And he said, while I don't believe it, he said, I, I don't really even know how to even begin to tell you why I believe what I believe after hearing what you said. And I just don't know. I just really don't know. 
See, so you can set a particular time in which you can talk to the person. Now, if uh, this happens, then then uh, just meet at a given time and and go through some of the principles. Now, we have a search for truth, which I think is an outstanding Bible study. Exploring God's Word is outstanding, also. Both of them are very, very outstanding, and, and people really do. Am I getting off the? People really do want to hear what the Bible says. And you will find now that the mood of America is changing. People are becoming extremely patriotic. They're becoming conservative. They're going back to the Bible. What better time is there to talk to people about the Lord? What better time? Now, the campus hands these out. It says, have you heard about the steps of spiritual destiny? This is just a simple little track, but it is just real powerful. I think Brother O'Neill had these printed, or perhaps he did the printing. Step one, I think it has five steps in it. Step one, it's just telling the individual God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. Step two, you must individually repent of your sins. Step three, Jesus Christ died and he was buried. After repentance, we are to be buried in water baptism. And of course, this contains many, many scriptures in it. And could I just stop here and just insert something? We, we have people who are guests here tonight. And we want you to know that when you come here to be with us, we appreciate your visit. And uh, we may seem extremely positive about what we believe because we, we really believe it. But at the same time, I hope that nobody here feels that he has to put up his guard and his shield to defend himself to get out of here alive. You know, that, that you could walk out these doors many, many times and still feel welcome to come back. And we want you to do that. And we want you to feel that our handshake to you tonight was genuine. We really do love you. God loves you, and we love you. On the other hand, we also want you to know that we do love the Bible. And we love every word in the Bible. We love Jesus enough to obey him. We love the gospel enough to obey him. And we love you enough to share that gospel with you. I think that that's, that's something that's very important for you to understand. Something that's very important. The reason why is because, you see, in many, many churches, they tell you that, oh, baptism's not necessary. If it isn't, then why did Jesus say that it was? See? Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. If you want to be saved, you have to do something. If you don't want to be saved, you don't do anything. I mean, nothing. You don't have to make a decision that what I'm telling you is right or wrong. Just do nothing. You can throw your life in neutral and be lost. You do not have to be a vile transgressor. Jesus came not in the world to condemn the world. Why? Because the world was condemned already. But Jesus came to seek and save that which was already lost. Praise God.
And so there are many scriptures on this. And then after step three, we go to step four. Jesus rose from the grave. We also can rise to newness of life. You see, according to 1 Corinthians 15, the gospel is what? The death, the burial, and the resurrection. Paul makes it very plain we're saved by that gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. Does that mean that some preacher gets up on Easter and Easter on and talks to us about Jesus Christ dying, about him being buried, and he arose again? And somehow just because that we understand the Easter story that we're saved? No, my friend. The gospel is something that you obey. It's not something you hear. See, in Acts 5.32, the Lord gave the Holy Ghost to them that obey Him. Hebrews 5.9 also says the Lord gave the Holy Ghost to them that obey Him. In John 3.16, where it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him, the word believeth comes from a Greek word that means to trust and obey. And it's that very same Greek word that's used in Acts 5.32 where God gave the Holy Ghost to them to obey Him. And if you look in the New Testament, especially in the book of Peter, where it speaks of disobedience, disobedience there is the direct opposite of believe in John 3.16. So there's nothing wrong with us obeying a gospel. Jesus Christ died, He was buried, and He arose again. Why? So that our fleshly, sinful life, the old man, the carnal man, can be nailed to the cross with Him. We're crucified with Him. Isn't that what the Bible says? And after Jesus Christ died, He was buried. Are we buried with Him? The Bible tells us we are. And Jesus Christ arose to newness of life. Can we arise to newness of life? Yes. Not only can we, the Bible instructs us that we should. Praise God. So the gospel is not just a, a sweet, pretty story to tell on Easter. But it's something you can celebrate every day of your life. Praise God. You can receive that. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. I say you can receive that. Then step five, we show the fruit of the Spirit. It talks about how to walk in the Spirit after you have been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is a very good little track just to sit down and take people through. I don't really consider this to be the best track just to be handing out at random on, on the street someplace. Well, I'm not saying it's a bad one. See, of course, I have never been what I would call a real track hander-outer. Is that a word? It is now. Now, I, I don't disagree with that because I think we have people here who've got tracks someplace. Well, I've always carried tracks. I, I like to personally talk to people. I've done a lot of street work, and I like to talk to people personally, one-on-one. -on -one. I preached to large crowds. In fact, I preached to very large crowds on the streets before. But I found for myself, and, and you know, everybody, you know, there there is no cardinal rule to ask this question and that question, this question and that question. I think it all depends on a man's personality. But for myself, I really like to talk to people individually. I like to pull up a chair or stand and look them right in the eye, never blink an eye. And said, you know, Bill, the Holy Ghost is real. 
this business of speaking with other tongues is, is not just a, a far out thing that somebody conjured up in their mind, but it came out of the Bible. There was a time when I didn't believe it, but I believe it now. I have personally spoken with tongues. I know that it's real. It's hard, hard, hard for people to defy a personal testimony. Hard. Hard. That's the reason why the apostles were so great. They said, we were eyewitnesses. We saw it with our own eyes. Now don't come and tell us otherwise. We know. We saw it. Now, that is enough evidence to prosecute a man in court. To have somebody that said, I saw it with my own eyes. And then, of course, the decision question. Here is a hard one. This is the hard one. Uh, there's a lot of questions you could ask, but this is a hard one because I've had a lot of people call me and say, Brother Graham, I'm teaching Search for Truth, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to lead that person to the Lord. They sat there with tears in their eyes, and I walked away, and I didn't know what to say. Well, there, there are many, many things you could say. Basically, and I don't like to just put the pe put people on the spot, but somewhere you're going to have to nail people down. I usually like to say something like this: Is there any reason why that you would be reluctant to obey the Bible? You know what a lot of people say. Thank you, Brother Brian. You're going the wrong way. Go over this way. Everything. A lot of people, when you put it like that, it kind of disarms them. I mean, from the standpoint of, oh, you mean obey the Bible. Well, I've only spoken the Bible, so is there any reason why? Now, you don't say that. But you'd be surprised. A lot of people then would say, well, I guess maybe I'm really not ready to commit my life to the Lord. And this gives you an opportunity then to talk to them about the absolute necessity you know, every man's going to die one of these days, and you don't know when. And this is the reason why that when the word of the Lord has been presented and the Spirit of God is drawing, that, that God prompts you to make a decision. See, the Bible says to him, Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. The book of Romans, our Romans, Revelation, the first chapter, verse 7, says that every eye shall behold him even those that pierced him. And one of these days, Adam's going to look at the Lord face to face. One of these days, Ahab and Jezebel and the wicked prophets are going to look at the Lord face to face. And one of these days, Judas, who betrayed the Lord, is going to look at him face to face. And one of these days, Bill... I'm going to see the Lord face to face. And my eyes are going to look in his eyes just like I'm looking in yours. And one of these days, Bill, you're going to see him face to face. 
if there is a response, <clears throat> then the best thing to do is to get him to to pray for the Holy Ghost. Now, the reason why I have pray for the Holy Ghost here, I just made this assumption start, starting that this man has fully repented. But now you want to go over that. You definitely want to question the individual. Because there's no need of anybody praying for the Holy Ghost until they fully repented. No need at all. And then, of course, you can, listen to me, you can convert people in their homes. They can receive a Bible experience. They don't have to receive the Holy Ghost down here where people come and get it at church. We like to see them pray at the altar, but they don't have to. How many of you who sit right here receive the Holy Ghost some of the place outside of church? Would you raise your hand? Look at the hands that are raised, see? Look at the hands that are raised. Does that mean their experience is not valid because they didn't get it at church? Oh, absolutely not. God is omnipresent. You can get the Holy Ghost any place that you can... Shut out the world and get your mind on the Lord. Now, you know, if you're riding uh, on a jet someplace, not your first ride, uh, you might not be able to get your mind on the Lord unless you're praying in self-defense. You know? but, but we have people right here that got the Holy Ghost in their cars. Can you believe that? Driving? Can you believe that you can keep your mind on the Lord and drive at the same time? Well, some people sleep when they do it. I mean, why can't you get the Holy Ghost when you drive? <laughs> it's not something. And we've had people get down over their bedside. We've had cottage-type prayer meetings where people receive the Holy Ghost. And you can pray people through the Holy Ghost. But you really can. Now, I've done some real bizarre things in my lifetime. But I've had people call me, and right by their bedside, I have instructed them. This is what I want you to do now. Take the phone and put it up to your ear. Get down on your knees now. And just as the saints of the Lord talk to you around the altar while you're praying, let me talk to you. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. And what do I do? I do nothing but quote Scripture. And they'll start praising the Lord. Now, this is not something that happens every day. But I'm telling you something that has happened a couple of times in my ministry. And all of a sudden I tell them, now, now wait, just stop right now. Hang up the phone and you keep going. And you call me back now when you get the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I mean, God is omnipresent. See, and God cares about people. He's concerned. And then assurance and follow-up. This is so very important. How many people we actually baptize and receive the Holy Ghost that uh, two or three days later, somehow skepticism came in, doubt came in. They wondered if it's just something they were talked into or something conjured up. The devil came and, and, and threw rocks in their path and caused them to stumble. They just didn't know what in the world was going on. And they need that assurance. Let me ask you personally, how many of you have, have had doubts sometime in your Christian experience? I'll raise my hand. See, when I was first saved, after a few uh, hard licks from the devil, I started doubting. Now, I can truthfully say I don't doubt anymore. The devil uses other things. 
See, he'll use that for a while, and then, then when you get victory over that, he'll go to something else. You get victory over that, he'll go to something else. And there'll never be a time, never be a time, in which the devil leaves you alone. If you think he's left you alone, it's because he's got you for good. See? That's right. So, uh, <clears throat> but the Lord said that he would not allow us to be tempted above that which we're not able to bear. And sometimes we just need to reverse the psychology on the devil. See, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. See, when you do something good, he'll come and say, you made a fool out of yourself. It was ridiculous. Well, see, Paul had the right psychology when he said, I am a fool for Christ's sake. So when the devil said, you're a fool, Paul says, ha ha, I knew that a long time before you knew it. <laughs> praise God, praise God, praise God. See, and you can't let the devil, you cannot let the devil treat you like that. Like one man came up to me and said, man, he said, if, if you don't stop this, I'm going to kill you. Kill me? Well, that's no threat to a Christian. You can't threaten him with death. The reason why I gave my heart to God is because I want to go to heaven. So don't threaten me with death. I am longing for the day to go and be with Jesus. So when people come and tell you, you know, and, and get nasty with you and tell you these things. Now, I'm not trying to, to change this around and say, well, just... You know, just let everything, just don't be, don't be sensitive to people. I'm not saying that at all. But the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And you see, it's important then for you to keep with it, stay with these people, follow up. If they don't do anything but just bow their heads that, that day and, and, and talk to the Lord. I remember in our camp, I went to a, a young man that was standing. Everybody was down praying and the Lord just directed me to him. I went back and talked with him. His name was Jim. I said, Jim... I'd like to talk with you for a minute. And he had heard our evangelist at camp preach. And he was he was touched in his heart. And I simply went through these basic steps here. You know, where are you in your relationship with God? You know, do you feel free to talk about it? And you know what he told me? I'm not saying this to be offensive here, so if we have anybody this denominator. He said, I'm a Catholic. I don't know that I've ever prayed. And I said, well, would you like to pray? I said, now let me just share something with you. And I just told him just briefly about the Lord filled with the Holy Ghost. We went down to the altar. And I said, uh, I said, would you come and pray with me? We went down to the altar. It was in Shano at our camp. I forget what year. But several years ago. About maybe eight years ago. And he knelt down and he said, I don't know what to say. I, I just don't. I said, you mean you've never prayed? Like, never. I said, okay. Just follow me. Now, this was a real challenge. And I said, oh, Lord. And I said, now, Jim, when I use my name or when I use me, you use me also. Put yourself in that place. I said, God, we want you to hear us. He said, God, we want you to hear us. Now, Lord, I want you to forgive Jim. He said, God, I want you to forgive me. Take all of my sins away, Lord. And I just simply started praying like that. And that boy started praying, and, and, and he asked God to forgive him. And then I said, now, Lord, I want you to fill him with the Holy Ghost. He said, Lord, I want you to fill me with the Holy Ghost. And did you know he lifted his hands, and without hearing anybody ever speak in tongues, he started speaking in tongues and glorifying God. 
I'll, you know, it was amazing, amazing what God really did for that boy. Praise God. You see, it, it is all right to be high-powered and high-strung uh, in certain cases. And, and you, can be, you can act like a warrior at times. But basically, when you're talking one person on one, you, you don't put that person in a corner someplace to have to defend himself and get him out of his comfort zone and make him mad. Don't do that. You see, even Jesus, uh, he understood the value of these things. This is the reason why he talked personally sometimes with people without the apostles around. You know, the apostles interfered sometimes when he was talking to people. And when he was trying to do good works. Then the apostle comes along. He said, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath or your, your son to anger. Now, isn't that something... That, why? Because the children are supposed to obey their fathers. And father comes along, and knowing that the children are supposed to obey him, and he provokes them, he gets, he gets that child to do something that child would be punished of God to do. And it appears that the wisdom of God is this. Now, in view of the fact that children should obey parents, and you, you, you purpose it, you provoke it, I'm going to also put a law in there saying that you shouldn't do it. So when you do it, you're in violation of the Word of God just like that child is. And when I punish the child, I'm going to lay it heavy on the father too. And you see, people are supposed to preach the Word of the Lord. And people are supposed to listen. But I think God is so incorporated in His Word... Knowing the value of listening, many, many, many rules of logic, and if it isn't done properly, not only does the person who fails to hear experience the close scrutiny of God, but also the person who didn't do it right because he didn't care enough for the man's soul. Praise God. Hallelujah. Do you feel the Lord here? Let's lift our hands right now and let's just praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, thank you, dear God. Thank you, dear God. Thank you, dear God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 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 Praise God. We'd like for you to stand at this time, if you would. I'd like for Sister Grant and Sister Wittenbach to come back to the instruments. It's, it's amazing to me that Aquila and Priscilla could go to a man who was so fervent and mighty in the Scripture and just call him aside and say, we want to share something with you. And sit down and with the wisdom of God explain to this man who knew the scripture the Bible says he did. You know something else? This man was anointed of the Lord. He really was. But he wasn't saved. Now notice Paul's approach. Now Paul's approach was a little bolder. But I want you to notice it. 
And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Now what disciples did he find? Probably the converts of Apollos. Why? Because they knew only one type of baptism. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? What was he trying to do? He was just trying to find out what their religious background or experience was. It was a bolder approach. And this is the reason why that I say that you cannot in any way stereotype a witness. It has to flow from your heart and be a part of you. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, What then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Notice what Paul said. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which had come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Now, as strange as it may seem, the Apostle Paul did not really quote verbatim what John said. You can read it for yourself in Matthew 3.11, Luke 1.8, and Luke 3.16, or Mark 1 and 8, Luke 3.16. Now this is what John said. I indeed baptize you in, in water unto repentance, saying that there's one mightier than I coming after me, whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now John didn't say that. or uh, Paul didn't say that, however, when he witnessed. He said, you know, John said that there's one coming after him who was mightier than he, and you should believe on him. Was he compromising? No. He used the word believe on him. Did they believe on the Lord? They believed as far as their knowledge would go. But you see, the thing about it is, Paul had already asked them about the Holy Ghost. And they had already admitted, we don't have it because we never heard about it. And there was a lot of wisdom in what Paul was doing. You see, really what he was saying is, you believe as far as your knowledge will let you go. But you see, I have opened up some new knowledge. Will you believe that too? When they heard this, heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. They spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. Praise God. Isn't that great? Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, I really want to see a sweeping Holy Ghost, God-sent revival in the city of Madison. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. But if it comes, it'll come one to one. You talking to somebody. 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 Sometimes we get this preaching spirit. 
where we feel like we've got to throttle everybody. Punch it down their throats real good because we've got to save our community. We do. We do. But if it's important to save, we be fools if we do not seek out the most productive means to do it. People like to be understood and they like to be loved. Jesus understood people. He listened to them and he loved them. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and just love the Lord. Thank you, dear God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Let's sing amazing. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, dear God. Thank you, dear God. Thank you, dear God. I know you've been standing for a few minutes, but let's turn to 272. Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that Sister Grant, lead the congregation. I feel that the Holy Ghost is definitely here. I know the Lord is here. And I feel that somebody would like to come and surrender their heart to the Lord tonight. There's no better time than when God's dealing with you. In fact, there's no other time. And on both sides of our pulpit, there's a place for you to come tonight. And bend your knees and start a relationship with God. Would you step out right now? Who'd like to be first to come and just kneel and pray? Let's hum it again, would you? Praise God. Are you praying, saints? Hallelujah. Friend, your soul is so valuable. You see, Jesus came for one purpose, to seek and save that which was lost. He's still in that business. 
He still loves you. He still cares for you. Why don't you step out right now? Come on. We've got two children praying down at the altar. It's so beautiful to see these little kids come and surrender their heart to God. Do we have somebody else that would step out? Come on right now.